China will replace Windows OS with a custom-made operating system, apps on Apple, use background app refresh for companies to track you, and we tackle a tricky topic, is gaming addiction a mental disorder? All of this and more here. Welcome to the Cutting Edge Tech. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Cutting Edge Tech episode 15. I'm so glad you could join me here today in this exciting new episode. This episode is going to be a bit different. It's going to be a little bit longer because we're going to go in-depth into one of the topics, like I've said in the intro, about gaming addiction. You know, it's something that has been, has been popping up uh, recently after it's gone quiet for a while now because they, they said this around like a few years back. But then it just died down and everybody just dismissed it and then all of a sudden, boom, it's coming back. So we're going to tackle that a little bit later later on this episode. But first off, let's kick off with something that I think it's pretty interesting going on because recently, to give you a bit of context, recently the United States and China have been on what they call a trade war. You know, and that trade war has escalated all over the place. Uh, Trump, President Trump, imposed some tariffs on Chinese goods, and then the Chinese government retaliated with their own set of tariffs. Uh, I think it was like, oh, I think President Trump gave them 25% on Chinese goods, and then China did 25% on U.S. goods. So it was like, okay, if you do 25, I'll do 25, and something like that of the sort. And there's a there's a news article that came from CDNet.com, and it says that Chinese military to replace Windows OS amidst fears of U.S. hacking. And this comes, according to the article, amidst an escalating trade war and political tensions with the U.S. So based on the trade war and based on the tensions that have been going on between us and china due to all of this they have they have come together and they've said okay we're gonna do our own custom us custom os to dump windows os mac and linux because they're not even going to use linux so they said here the chinese military won't move to linux but develop a custom os instead Amidst an escalating trade war and political tensions with the U.S., Beijing officials have decided to develop a custom operating system that will replace the Windows OS on computers used by the Chinese military. The decision, while not made official through the government's normal press channels, was reported earlier this month by Canada's based by Canada-based military magazine Kanwa Asian Defense. Per the magazine, Chinese military officials won't be jumping ship from Windows to Linux, but will develop a custom OS. Thanks to the Snowden, Shadow Brokers, and Vault 7 leaks, Beijing officials are well aware of the US hefty arsenal of hacking tools available for anything from smart TVs to Linux servers and from routers to common desktop operating systems such as Windows and Mac. So basically they know how capable the US is of hacking stuff. You know, we at the US have a lot of hacking power, we have a lot of hacking tools, we have the means to get to places where nobody else can go. And I get the Chinese's fear because, I mean, who would want to hack into your military? Because it's the US when they get hacked in their military and everybody goes crazy. So I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't blame the Chinese for getting weary of the US in terms of how they can hack them, etc., etc. But they go as far as to develop their own custom OS. And this is not the first country that's done this. North Korea has done this as well. They named it the Red Star OS. And even though they didn't fully phase out Windows and Mac and Linux, they did have that Red Star OS as their main operating system. But they were using, of course, Windows, Linux, and Mac in tandem, you know, parallel to that, parallel to the, to the Red Star OS. But this is not something new. Like, first was North Korea, of course. You're like, who else? Come on. And then they, and then China joins the fray. But like I've said, it, this is not something that should that should surprise us really, because you know the U.S. has all that hacking capability, and they're they have been they have been very known for that. You know, they're, they're, they don't make uh, they don't make heads or tails about it. But I don't know. Like in terms of like U.S. and China relationships, I think I think that there should be there should be an understanding coming pretty soon. Oh, well, if President Trump is to be believed, uh, they should be coming into some sort of arrangement to lower the tariffs or something like that. I don't know the story completely on how that happened. I just know that they're trying to do this as a means to, you know, to completely make it harder for U.S. to hack into the the Chinese military, etc., etc. But usually you hear people going like, okay, well, I'm changing from Windows to Linux, or I'm changing from Mac to Linux, or from Mac to Windows, or vice versa, etc., etc. You know, they, it, it usually flows between Windows, Mac, and, o, and Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. It usually flows between those three. If you decide to go on another route and actually go with a separate, completely different custom OS, that's unheard of. Because you're not just going to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to make my own OS from scratch. Like, it's too tedious on, a, on your own. It, it can be done, of course. It can be done. It'll take you years and years and years to actually develop one on your own. But um, it's not something that you usually go and say like, hmm, I wonder if I can do an OS by my own and actually have it ready by a, by a reasonable amount of time so that I can completely phase out Windows, Mac OS, and even Linux. Like, go as far as to move away from all the three main components. There isn't just that much time, you know? Or, you know, for someone alone to make it in a decent amount of time and without having to use one of the three main uh, OS is as base. For example, Red Star OS, which is the North Korean custom OS, is actually a Linux distro. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you could say it's kind of like a, a child of Linux. You know, it, it was made using Linux. So even then, North Korea didn't completely phase out the three. And even, and even up to this point, they use it in parallel, in tandem with Windows, Mac, and Linux. So they haven't completely phased it out, but China's looking to phase it out completely. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if this is even going to work. Because remember, you have to make a fully-fledged OS to actually phase out the standard of OSs, which is Windows, Mac, and Linux. This is going to be interesting. I... I'm actually pretty interested to see how 
how this develops because if this actually comes true we'll have to see how good that OS will be because the the people that are making the OS report directly to the Chinese Communist Party so it's gonna be pretty interesting because they're gonna be very hands-on with the government with the government of China so let's see how this goes I'm, I'm a little bit leery on the fact that they're making a new OS I don't know how this is gonna play out I don't know if they'll even have the the um, well, not to rip on the Chinese, but I don't know if they'll have a good team ready to go to actually make an OS from scratch. But hey, let's see how it goes. Anyways, I'm 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 curious as to, as to well more than curious, I would be I would say intrigued to see how this goes. Anyways, we'll be right back with some more here on the Cutting Edge Tech. Don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back. We are back here at the Cutting Edge Tech. Thank you for joining me. So, background app refresh. <clears throat> for those of you who own Apple, you know that background app refresh is a is an ability or a function rather in Mac products like the iPhone, iPad, etc., etc., where if you have apps in the background that you have closed but not like fully closed like with the multitasker, etc., etc., like if you haven't fully closed those apps that function allows them to refresh, unfreeze, refresh, and then refreeze again so that it stays where you left off. Now, that function is all, all well and good, but once you start giving out information to tracking companies, that's when the things get a little bit interesting and a little bit, and a little bit iffy, you would say. Like, at least I wouldn't want my app refreshing and every time it refreshes, sending tracking information to other third-party companies like that that would be me okay and I've made I've made a conscious effort and now I can't stop doing it of closing every single app that I don't use close it as soon as I'm done with it I'll close it because if I'm not using it it's gonna waste my time it's gonna waste battery it's gonna waste whatever and I just you know immediately close it so I don't even bother with that but this is what's happening with iPhone products because this is actually something from iPhone that where it's happening rather and it says here on the article from MacRumors.com when background app refresh is enabled some iOS apps are using the feature to regularly send data to tracking companies <clears throat> according to a privacy experiment from the Washington Post that explores the relationship between apps and tracking companies the Washington Post's Joffrey Fowler teamed up with privacy firm Disconnect and used specialized software to see what his iPhone was doing and when. And while it's no surprise that apps are using trackers and sharing user data, the frequency in which, with which apps took advantage of background refresh to send data off to tracking companies is surprising, as is some of the data shared. So basically, they made an experiment where they put an iPhone with special with special software and they connected it to a special machine uh, according to what it says here and what I'm guessing and it's basically saying okay well your iPhone once it's idle and once you have uh, <clears throat> applications in the background idle they're doing this 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 and that they're sending this this and this information etc etc now some of the apps for those of you who have, who have uh, Apple products these are the apps according to the According to the to the article, these are the apps as of May 28th of 2019. 
The apps that were found passing data along included Microsoft OneDrive, Mint, Nike, Spotify, The Weather Channel, DoorDash, Yelp, Citizen, and even the Washington Post's own iOS app. So for those of you who read the Washington Post and leave it open in the background, the Washington Post is giving you is giving your information away. <laughs> so close the Washington Post. <laughs> it continues to say here that citizens shared personal okay citizens shared personally identifiable information that violated its privacy policy the tracker was later removed and Yelp was sending data every five minutes something the company later said was a bug I don't know about that because if you have a bug in the system is something that you overlooked and something that you overlook in an app that is pretty high as you know like pretty recognizable as Yelp like that app in and of itself should have a very good proofreading team where they would go by the code and see what's going on and see what's happening and see that everything is in order and every five minutes that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a stretch don't you think like come on if you're gonna keep sending information every five minutes at least make the public known about it okay like put it on the on the privacy policy or the terms and conditions or something like that you know put it in somewhere that they can see it not just disguise it as oh it was a bug dude you don't do a bug that easily and that specific all right because sending tracking information that's a pretty specific thing like i would i would say like oh it would send bug reports every five minutes where it would send uh certain things every five minutes for example like oh it sent the information of the person every five minutes or at least it send bug reports every five minutes if it were bug reports every five minutes i would be like okay well that's actually pretty interesting because that means the company will continuously evaluate those bug reports and say okay well in certain devices this happens in certain devices this happens <clears throat> And this happens because of this. This happens because of that. And you know, it could it could form something of a of a of a preemptive measure to actually be like, okay, well, if you are if you have this type of phone, for example, you have a let's put a let's put a random example. You have a Samsung Note 3 with an Exynos 5000 processor, uh, whatever processor it has, and you. And if you have that phone and you have this app, it will crash if you go here. So with all the reports that are coming in every five minutes, I can check, okay, well, every Samsung Note 3 owner who has my app will crash this app once it goes to this area. So let me optimize that area or let me optimize that function so that it doesn't crash. And I'm all for that, you know, if you are going to do that, that's amazing because that's actually that shows that you're into perfecting your app and that and that you're into customer service and user interface availability and the fact that you actually care about your stuff you know that you want people to actually get your stuff use your your stuff your apps your equipments or whatever it is that you're selling and you're actually keeping tabs on it that's actually pretty good but when it comes to tracking information you're getting into very privacy invading territory because it's just like the one from the from Google Maps when they were going to share location history to police departments and that got out of hand because 
it basically it says okay well you can use it for to find suspects right but who's to keep who's to keep them from using it on finding any people any person whenever they want to screw around or whatever because you know there's there's good cops and there's bad cops but I'm not gonna get into that subject but the fact of the matter is that if you're gonna do that every five minutes at least at least put it in your terms and conditions or in the user privacy policies or whatever that you do make it known to the user I mean if you put it in the terms and conditions like let's be honest who reads the terms and conditions at least I would take the time if they weren't so long <laughs> but you know at least make it known so that at least okay we're gonna sue you for example I'm gonna sue uh, the Washington Post because their app is sending me it's sending my tracking information and I didn't give them permission for it and then the Washington Post goes nope this is in the terms and conditions in this section right here you can read it and the terms and conditions are available to every person so they have the they have the the right to see it and they have the you know the voluntary obligation because you know they're gonna say it in some weird technical law way or whatever and they're gonna be like okay well if you're gonna do that you have this if you're gonna use my app you have the terms and conditions you should have read them you should have known what you were getting into you know they can use it as a defense mechanism but if you don't have that in the terms and conditions that's gonna be a problem for you you know it continues to say that trackers with Trackers within apps, for those unfamiliar, serve different purposes. Some analyze user behavior to let apps streamline advertisement campaigns, combat fraud, or create targeted ads. Delivery app DoorDash, for example, was found using a whooping nine track, a whopping nine tracker. Oh my God, nine trackers in their apps, in its apps, sharing data like device name and identifier, accelerometer data, delivery address name, email, and cellular phone carrier. Jesus. DoorDash also has trackers from Facebook and Google ad services, which means Facebook and DoorDash are notified whenever you're using the DoorDash service. DoorDash is not alone in sending tracking data, nor are the apps listed above. Using tracking information is standard practice, but some people aren't aware that it's happening. Like I said, many people don't know what their applications actually need, or at least they're not being let known what their applications need. So. If you're gonna do this, at least put it somewhere where the user can actually read it easily. You know? If you're gonna do this, make sure that they have the availability to actually learn where they're getting this from. <clears throat> Otherwise, it's gonna pose a problem for you. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna use my tracking history if I have my location on, okay, sure. If I have my location on, you're gonna use my tracking history because I gave you the permission. That's another thing. Give the permission uh, or at least tell the users, hey, do you want this app to, do you want to allow this app to use this information? For example, every time you use a new app, you have the permissions, you can give the apps the permissions that it needs or the permissions that they want to get. You have the ability, the user has the ability to actually say, okay, I want to give you this permission, I want to give you this permission, you're not getting this permission, uh, you're not getting this permission either, you're getting this permission, but you're not getting this one. You know? at least give them some some warning of some kind you know so for those of you on iOS I don't know if it has happened with Android but so far only iOS has been reported to do this 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that soon Android will will come up and the same thing will pop up for them but until the until now up to this podcast up to the recording of this podcast it has not happened yet so I'll keep you guys posted if anything pops up in terms of Android but for those of you who have Apple phones or have you know Apple products be wary and be leery about this make sure to to keep track of what <laughs> to keep track <laughs> make sure to keep track of what your apps are doing and if you have background app refresh make sure that the apps that use it don't send your tracking information all right if you have a tracking function turn it off or do whatever or eliminate the location permission that they give just make sure that if you want to keep your privacy safe don't give them any permission at all unless it is for very specific purposes for example if it's a camera well it needs access to your gallery so come on you're not gonna give them you're not gonna block them away from the gallery because where they, will they store their photos but anyways that's basically it. for those of you who have app who have Apple products make sure to keep an eye out for that in the meantime we'll see if this happens with Android so far it has not up to the reporting of this podcast so we'll see what happens Anyways, we'll be right back with some more on the cutting edge tech. Don't go anywhere, guys. We're going to tackle the the gaming addiction topic that has recently popped up. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with that. back here at the cutting edge tech thank you for joining me so comes the time for the big topic of this podcast video game addiction is officially considered a mental disorder as the world health organization has said this came out on the 28th of april of may april this came out on the 28th of may of this year and this is not the first time that this subject has been touched uh, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, it has appeared before, a few years back. It did pop up for a while, and then it just disappeared, and it, it disappeared into obscurity, and it's not until now that it has recently popped back up, and it's because World, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, has... Um, has actually classified it now as a mental disorder and has placed it into their ICD-11. What is ICD-11? The ICD-11 is the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. And they put it on the edition that goes out on Jan that takes effect on January 2022. They put it next to what they call gambling disorder. And gambling disorder is for people that don't know is a disorder when you when you're obsessed with gambling where you're addicted to gambling and they put it on gaming disorder they put it quite close to gambling disorder and according to their definition the definition would be according to the ICD-11 it describes gaming disorder as a recurrent video game playing that leads to impaired control over gaming and an increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life interests and daily activities despite the occurrence of negative consequences so basically it's saying if you're addicted you put that before anything else 
as for example if you're addicted to your phone you put your phone over everything else and if you lose your phone you lose your you lose your mind and it's basically the same with video game addiction and gambling addiction for example if you don't gamble you you go crazy and if you game and if you don't game you get addicted you're addicted to gaming you won't feel right unless you're gaming um i would consider this a mental disorder because you know if it's something that takes precedence over eating over sleeping over your daily activities as if you take a shower you wash your teeth you do like your chores etc etc if it takes precedence over your daily routine and your basic necessities it is a disorder you know it is a disorder because you put it as the top priority you have no other place for nothing other than that specific addiction it's like a drug addiction if you don't get your fix you'll be com you have complete and uh, uncontrol over your you'll be uncontrollable you wouldn't have uh, mental control over yourself and you would need that in order to relax because your body's asking for it your mind is asking for it it wants that kick you know and basically they're considering gaming something like drug addiction according to another article here on psychology today and this one's written by Peter Gray PhD it was posted on March 11 of last year and it says uh, the title of it says sense and nonsense about video game addiction what does research really tell us about the brain effects of video gaming and in the first the first quote of the the first quote of the article in psychology today it's it's digital heroin how screens turns kids into psychotic junkies now basically this is going on for a while like i said it's going on for a while there are many people that say oh you shouldn't be on your phones too much or you shouldn't be on the computer too much because you'll get addicted and you'll pass everything here and this and that blah 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 and to an extent they're right you know if something takes precedence over your daily routine and your daily activities you should seek help you should seek help because you have a disorder you have a you have a if you're addicted to something you should get help for it the article from psychology today continues to say that's the dramatic headline screaming across a new york post article by dr nicholas Carduris. that was in 2016 which many readers sent to me shortly after it was first published. Uh, this is uh, Peter Gray talking. In the article, Cardaris claims, We know now that those iPads, smartphones, and Xboxes are a form of digital drug. Recent brain imaging research is showing, research is showing that they affect the brain's frontal cortex, which controls executive functioning, including, including impulse control, in exactly the same way that cocaine does. Although Cardaris attributes attributes these horrendous effects to all sorts of screen use, he particularly singles out video gaming when he says, that's right, your kid's brain your kid's brain on Minecraft looks like a brain on drugs. That is utter nonsense. As if Carderas read the actual research literature on brain effects of video gaming, he would know this. So even they are discrediting, even the the psychologists in between, like for example doctors, are even digressing on this. But 
basically it all comes down to like stimulation when you get into the nitty-gritty of things I don't know much about the psychological effects but I do know that if something takes precedence over everything and uh, including your daily basic activities then there's something wrong I know that much like I've did a bit of research on this and there's a lot of things that could be said about video game addiction. There's a lot of things that could be misconstrued about video game addiction and video games in general. Because if you were to count video games as a disorder or video gaming as a disorder, you would need, according to the WHO, it would at least need one year to meet the diagnosis. So basically, uh, according to uh, according to someone who told Reuters, this is an occasional or transitory behavior. Uh, Saxena told Reuters, and Saxena, uh, the full name is actually Shekhar Shekhar Saxena. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Expert on mental health and substance abuse for the WHO. That was the one that told Reuters. Uh, noting that people must exhibit the behavior for at least one year to meet the diagnosis. So basically, if you have this condition and you have exhibited for a year, that means you have a disorder. That means you have that disorder, the gaming addiction disorder. So it's very tricky to say that you're addicted to gaming because you would have to wait an entire year and see the same conduct for a year in order to classify it as gaming disorder according to a mental health expert in the World Health Organization that is some that is some big stuff because it it shows that it can be like it, like they say it's a transitional and occasional thing so not everybody gets it not everybody can go around like oh i have gaming disorder look at me gaming like i'm gaming right now you can't see that i have a disorder right i have a disorder like no they just can't do that. They would need to exhibit this behavior for a year. But it continues to say on the article from Peter Gray, the actual effects of video gaming on the brain. What are the actual effects of video gaming on the brain? Video gaming activities much more than pleasure pathways and these other effects are not at all like the effects of drugs. Gaming involves lots of cognitive activities so it necessarily activates parts of the brain that underlie those activities. Recently, neuroscientist Mark Palaus and his colleagues, that was in 2017, published a systematic review of all the research they could find, derived from a total of 116 published articles concerning effects of video gaming on the brain. The results are what anyone familiar with brain research would expect. Games that involve visual, acu visual acuity and attention activates parts of the brain that underlie visual acuity and attention. Games that involve spatial memory activate parts of the brain that involve special that involve spatial memory and so on and so forth. So basically, video games, in terms of the brain activity, you could say that it actually kind of helps. You know, uh, like it says here, it continues to say. In fact, some of the research reviewed by Palaus and its colleagues show that gaming not only results in transient activity in many brain areas but over time can cause long-term growth of at least some of those areas. Extensive gaming can increase the volume of the right hippocampus and the entorhinal cortex, which are involved in spatial memory and navigation. It can also increase the volume of prefrontal regions of the brain that are involved in executive functioning, including the ability to solve problems and make reasoned decisions. 
So basically, you could say that brain that gaming actually helps you. You could say that according to the research, gaming actually helps you because it develops certain areas of your brain that could be used in spatial memory, navigation, executive functioning, uh, problem solving, and reasoned decisions. And to a certain extent, it's kind of true because, uh, well, I'm not saying because of personal because of a personal experience or anything like that, but I'm a gamer. Like, I game a lot. Not a lot, a lot, but I do game in my free spare time. I do game. And I have seen that most of the things of set and the researchers are actually done in games, like spatial memory and navigation. You need to know where to look and how to get there. You know, for example, open world, open world games. Open world games, you need to you need to go, oh, like, okay, well, let's put an example that somebody knows. Okay, I want to get from Gondor to Mordor. I'm making a reference to Lord of the Rings. So, I want to get from Gondor to Mordor. How do I get there in the game? So, I have to, tr that's my spatial memory. Like, I want to know what, I know, I want to know a sign that I'm getting to, that I'm getting to Mordor in the right direction, but I also want to know how to get there. That's where navigation comes in. And then all that goes into the executive functioning, which include the ability to solve problems. For example, if something happens on the way to Mordor, okay, how do I solve it? And making reasoned decisions. Okay, so if, I have, if I'm in a crossroads, which decision would be the best choice? Something that looks like it could kill me at any moment or something that looks plain and simple that I could cross over? It will take me longer, sure. But if I take this other path that looks shorter, I could die. So if I take this path, which takes me a little bit longer, but I will be safer than going through this one, I'm going to take the safer route, even though I take a little bit more time, if I can afford it. So basically, it can, it can, you know, it can help you in the long run. Uh, it continues to say here, your brain is, in this sense, like your muscular system. If you exercise certain part of it, those parts grow bigger and become more powerful. Yes. Video gaming can alter the brain, but the documented effects are positive, not negative. So for those of you who are gaming, and for those of you who actually do gaming a lot, don't fret. Your brain is actually getting much more stronger in certain parts of it, in certain aspects of it. Now, be careful not to not to over overcrowd your life with gaming. Okay, you can do it in your spare time. You can do it if you have a, uh, if you want to relax, if you want to, you know, put your put your mind to a challenge. For example, if it's a if it's a puzzle game, then you can put your mind to a challenge. Like, okay, how do I resolve this puzzle? And sit down and think about it. If you're into that kind of stuff, or if you just want to relax, you just go into a, for example, open world. Uh, open world game where you can explore to your heart's content and you have no clear path of what you have to do first or what you have to do next. There's no clear storyline and you can just relax into that game. You know, there's a lot of things that can be done in video games and there's a lot of things that video games can help you with. But nevertheless, if it takes most of your life and if you actually get way too consumed into it, you need to seek help. You need to seek medical attention because you shouldn't overcrowd your mind or your life, rather. You shouldn't overcloud it 
with a certain either substance or chore or activity that it consumes you to the point where you don't eat, you don't sleep, you don't take a shower, you don't you don't wash your person you don't watch your personal health, et cetera, et cetera. You don't go to work because you need to do this. Uh, you know, those kinds of stuff that impede you from getting your daily life in check, you need to you need to be mindful. Like, okay, video game addiction does exist. Sure, they put it into the into the WHO, into the ICD-11, my bad. They put it into the ICD-11 as a mental disorder, but it is something occasional and transitional according to mental health experts and the WHO. So, you need to be clear that unless you have a full year of doing this, which a full year is a little bit too much time, in my opinion, because you can find that out in at least three months. Let's be fair. And not even three months. Like, for example, you can find that in a month. Because a week, you would be like, okay, well, he's playing a lot. But he, he could still be doing a few things. Now, two weeks of the same thing would be like, okay, there's something weird going on. Three weeks is like, hold up, what's going on? And once you get, once you reach the month, it's like, okay, we're getting help. Like, that would be my, my thought process. Because if you put your... If you put your your priorities in a way that you have to do one specific thing or you need to have one specific substance every single day or every single hour every single minute you need to have it you got a problem with it so you should seek help that is my that is my take on this that is what i believe that gaming addiction would be yes in conclusion yes gaming addiction is a disorder because if you are addicted to gaming you are basically putting other stuff before uh, you're putting gaming before other stuff that's what I meant to say you're putting gaming over everything in your life and you will have problems in the future for that but that doesn't mean you shouldn't play games because like the studies have found gaming actually helps you but like I said don't put anything neither a substance neither an activity neither a chore or uh or something material before anything of your daily life that actually helps you function as a normal member of society if it starts deteriorating your health if it starts making you not eat not sleep correctly etc etc make sure to dial it down and correct it on your own and if you can't seek help Alright? This is not a joke. Mental disorders are a thing and they're not a joke. Alright? I can tell you because I have ADHD and that thing is a pain to control. Alright? You constantly get distracted, you constantly get out of focus, etc, etc, and it's not easy. So mental disorders are real. So if you have one, make sure to get that checked, make sure to get help, or if you have a very strong will force, a willpower, make sure to correct it on your own. And if you can't do that, or if you're un unable to do that, make sure to seek help, because you're going to need it, right? It's been a tough journey, for at least for my mental disorder. It's been a tough journey, but it's not impossible, all right? I did it. You can too if you have one. If you can't do it on your own, then you can seek help. There's tons of help available, all right? There's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of resources, psychologists, etc., etc. So that's my take on this yes gaming disorder is a thing gaming disorder is a thing that can affect you in your life 
but it's something that is transitioning that is transitioning and occasional right I can and I can't emphasize that enough right so that's my take on this but anyways thank you guys so much for being here with me on the cutting edge tech remember to like my page on Facebook and let me know what you think about this you know let me know what you think about gaming disorder I want to hear from you guys I want to hear from you guys what do you think about it so in the post that I will be making on Facebook make sure to let me know in the comments down there if you have any suggestions or something that you would like to tell me about it or anything in particular if you just want to say hi I'll be like hey how you doing <laughs> but anyways thank you so much for watching thank you so much for sharing this guys we made it to India like I said in the like I said in the previous episode we made it to India and that is amazing so I can't thank you guys enough keep sharing it let's make this global guys let's make it global all right I'll leave you guys with that one Thank you so much for listening, and remember, keep it techie, my friends. I'll see you guys next Wednesday with another episode. Cutting Edge Tech is a technology news podcast focused on the latest news that occurred during the week between episodes. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly from the host and should not be taken as absolute facts. If you'd like to suggest a news article to be discussed in the podcast, send it to me at cutting.edgetechpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear them. Thank you, and see you in the next episode. And remember, keep it techie, my friends.